0: Mark chapter 1, I'll begin in verse 21, and I'll read through to 45. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, "'What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth?' Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him, and they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere, throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. This is God's word. Amen. Let's take your seats.
1: I recently discovered that Britain's oldest living man is 110 years old. Had his birthday apparently just the other week, and by the nature of, you know, where the news organisation is always looking for a, a sort of good news story, he was interviewed and asked his opinion on various matters, which were which were interesting. You know, someone who was born in 1912 and has seen a lot is what does he think about life? Clearly perfectly uh, cognizant and able to have a conversation even at his advanced age. He was asked the secret of his longevity, which um, sort of piqued my interest. I remember listening to um, a chap from New Orleans who got to over a hundred who was asked the secret of his longevity, and he said, smoking a cigar and drinking a glass of whiskey each day, which uh, is not what this man said. He said, in everything moderation which struck me as a very English thing to say. (laughs) He was also reflecting on what had changed throughout his life. And one of the things he observed was, these people these days, he said, rarely think for themselves. Interesting. Interesting. Someone once said that uh, many people would rather die than think, and many people do. We live in an age of feeling. We live in an age of spin. Experiment one day if you have access to various cable news channels. Just watch one for five minutes and then switch over to the other one. It's like you're in a different universe. What is really going on? Everything is no longer really journalism, it's an editorial. The same thing happens in Christian circles, I'm afraid. Everyone's advancing their theological agenda, not telling you the unvarnished facts. Of course, this has been going on for a long time in Western culture. It's getting worse, but it's been happening for a long time. Soren Kierkegaard, the uh, famous Danish philosopher, was asked what he wanted in the last year of his life, and Kierkegaard simply said, what I want is honesty, truth, unvarnished truth. And so it has fascinated me, as I've been studying this passage uh, this week in preparation to preach it to you to realize that Mark has carefully woven together these stories around this issue of truth speaking. There's a, there's a power in truth speaking. And yet, it can be a problem too. It can be a problem if you cannot hear the truth. Uh, So much censorship today with whether unwittingly through the pervasive influence of algorithms whether on your YouTube channels or your social media channels, you, you get more of what you've been searching for and you end up in the same place over and over and over again, so you never hear another perspective. That's a form of perhaps unintentional censorship. And there are more overt kinds where people are blocked from appearing on the internet because they've said certain things that the politically correct thought police think should not be said. Now, of course, there's a place for banning certain kinds of things. We we just had very sadly Salman Rushdie had a life changing uh, attack because of a fatwa, an a, a Islamic um, um, a decree to, to kill him had been out for years and years and years, and finally they almost got him. And that kind of language, well, you understand, a, a deliberate intention to propagate violence. Uh, we wouldn't want that said. But th- there's more going on than that. People who say things that don't fit in with the current ideology are marginalised. Maneuvered out, silenced. And if truth is so important, as Mark is saying here, but we cannot hear truth, Alexander Solzhenitsyn said one word of truth will outweigh the whole world. But what happens if you can't hear the truth? It's just not there on your social media stream. So there's a priority to truth speaking, but there's a problem to it, and that's what Mark's going to be uh, showing us in the theme this morning. And as he does that, there are really three threads. There's a, 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 as I've already indicated, this priority and problem of truth speaking is, is hugely important, both within our culture, but also within our churches as well. And as Mark uh, will um, tell us this theme in this passage, there are three threads that he has, oh, and the first is uh, Jesus speaking. And of course, that's a big part of what's going on here. Jesus is being introduced as a preacher, isn't he? He goes to Capernaum, which, by the way, was not a small village. Scholars think there are about 10,000 people in Capernaum. So it's quite a big place. And uh, he's there on the Sabbath, and he goes to the synagogue, and he's preaching in the synagogue. We know, roughly speaking, how big that was too, because the archaeologists have unearthed the synagogue that was built on top of the synagogue that Jesus would have been to. And Some people think that even the walls of Jesus' synagogue you can, uh, are visible sort of down below, one layer down in the archaeological dig. And so we know roughly speaking how big it was and it was a big place in a big town. And he's preaching there. And Just by the way, as a sort of immediate kind of sub-application. I've heard talk over the last few years that somehow big churches are bad. And you may think I have a, because this is a reasonably big church, I have a sort of, you know, an agenda there too. But I've served very small churches as well. And and, and, and I've even heard at an academic level people making the case that, that big churches only began with the popularization of Ford's motor car. It's like... You know, I, I come from London. Have they, they should go to Westminster Abbey. It's been there over a thousand years, people. Like, come on, use your brain. I, I sometimes think people are literally losing their minds. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, it's a day for truth speaking, so and and so he's in this synagogue and he's 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 preaching and teaching the truth of course and what um astonishes them, this is verse 22, is that he taught them as one who had authority. Now just note here, there's, if you read the commentaries, there's conversation about this. What what surprised them? And there's been a long sort of stream of commentaries that say that what surprised them was that he cast out demons because later on it says, a new teaching with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. But that's the misunderstand. It's, I think it's the misunderstand the grammar of verse 27 actually. A new teaching with authority, point one, and he commands the unclean spirits, point two. Um, but even if you don't agree with my grammar there, uh, verse 22, they, they are first astonished at his teaching before he casts out demons, you see. So it's not about his... Uh, of course, him casting out demons was, was astonishing as well, but that's not the point. The teaching is remarkable because it comes with authority. What do they mean by that? Well, we're don't have. we just told that it's not like the scribes, but we don't have a lot of indication of what that was here. We have to go elsewhere in the New Testament to have a sense of that and to, have, to be able to hear the way that Jesus preached. And, of course, most famously in the Sermon on the Mount, and the most famous sermon ever preached for sure, Jesus displays the way he speaks with authority. And the way he speaks with authority is he says, you have heard that it was said... All these different scribal traditions of one kind and another, you know, commentator this, commentator that, that person this, that person the other. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. So when Jesus taught with authority, he spoke like that. He said, look, no, I am telling you the answer. That's it. He spoke with authority from the Scriptures because he was the author of the Scriptures. He gave the divinely sanctioned interpretation because he was and is divine. Now, of course, no preacher today can speak like that. We rest upon the Word. We are not ourselves the incarnate Word, of course. But yet, and the way that Jesus taught with authority is part of the indication that he was divine. If you want an apologetic for the divinity of Jesus, one good way to do that is just to observe how he teaches. Who else could teach like that? Answer, no one. No one. No human preacher preaches like this. But that said, in a pale reflection, preachers today, if they are authentic Bible teachers, should also preach with authority. Why? Because we preach from the word. One illustration of this is a little funny cartoon I once came across where there was one preacher who was looking very down in the mouth, because for whatever reason, his sermons didn't seem to be going very well. And there was a, a lay obviously, you know, the, the preacher was wearing sort of clerical clothes or something like that, and there was a lay person who was standing next to him, and the lay person sort of looked at the preacher and said, "Well, I'm, I'm no expert." But perhaps you shouldn't conclude every sermon with, but then again, what do I know?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: what do I know? But I'm not here to tell you what I know. I'm here to tell you what God says. And so therefore, that has authority. And it should. The pulpit. Look, we have scholarly conversations and... Wrestles with various intellectual conundrums and all that sort of thing. I mean, I've done that for years. There are lots of things I haven't figured out. But when I come to the pulpit, I don't tell you all the things I haven't figured out. I tell you what God says. The pulpit is not a place for uncertainty, it's a place for clarity, authority. And anyway, so there is Jesus preaching with authority. And he prioritizes it. So here it comes. So he does this healing and these demon casting out. And then what does he do? He goes uh, to pray in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a off very early in the morning. He goes to pray. Uh, Simon says, "This is verse thirty-seven. Everyone is looking for you." That is, I think, what's going on is that, that, that Capernaum, where he preached, is hoping that Jesus will set up camp in Capernaum as a sort of miraculous medical social worker, you know. uh, Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. But Jesus now prioritized. Remember, the priority and problem of preaching, this is the priority uh, of truth speaking, this is the priority. He said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out, or as Luke puts it, that is why I was sent. So, Jesus is saying, I have a priority, now, listen, we've already seen the remarkable work in Ukraine of the churches there caring for the poor. We have that too. We have our Stars Disability Ministry. We have our Stars Resale Shop. We care for each one another. Christians are called to be good Samaritans. We must care for the poor. It is part of a Christian responsibility, without any question. But a preacher, a pastor, has a priority. My job is not to be a religious social worker. My job and the job of our pastors here is to teach and preach God's word. Why? So as Paul says in the letters to the Ephesians, to equip us all, that is to train us all so we can all do ministry. So don't look to your pastors to do lots of social work all the time. Of course they should care for people because they're Christians. Right? Every Christian should care for people. But a pastor's job is to preach and teach the truth. And Jesus here prioritizes that. This is why I've come. He's setting the model. This is what it means to do ministry, truth speaking. But there's a problem with it. And this, I think, is fascinating. So now we come to the leper. And we'll, we'll come back to him again in just a moment. Uh, but uh, and uh, he's the third of uh, of the three threads that we're looking at was still on the first. Jesus, Jesus is truth speaking, but we come to the leper, and Jesus, um, of course, tells the leper uh, not to say anything. Uh, he uh, verse forty three. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, saying, "See that you say nothing to anyone." But Mark, I think, <laughs> is introducing a brilliant moment of irony. So the same word that is used of Jesus sending him away is previously used of Jesus sending the demons away. So verse 34, he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So here's the irony. Jesus casts out the demons... He, as it were, casts out the leper, not in a sort of violent way, but it's intended to make the point because Jesus also instructs the leper, don't speak. He's told the demons don't speak and they are silent. He tells the leper don't speak and what happens? He keeps on speaking. That's astonishing irony and yet that's the problem, of course, isn't it? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ when we receive Jesus by faith, he gives us his spirit, we become new, we become a new nature, but we still have our old nature, and it wrestles, and we don't always obey Jesus, and we don't always listen to the word, and we don't always do what it says. And this is the priority and problem of truth speaking. It's, it's the priority and problem of preaching. You can preach a sermon, then when people walk out the door, they hardly remember a word you said. Not, not you guys, you remember everything I said. You know what I mean? So there's a priority and there's a problem. That's the first thread, Jesus speaking. Uh, second uh, thread, amazingly, demon speaking. Of course, they're also speaking the truth. Uh, look at what they uh, say. We're, we're given an excerpt to the kind of things they were saying when he cast them out. Verse 27, uh, 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 excuse me, verse uh, 24. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, they're speaking the truth. He is Jesus. He is from Nazareth. And he is, most importantly, the Holy One of God. They're speaking truth. The demons. So that's, that's got to be wrestled with. Why does Jesus stop them from speaking truth? Here, partly. Because, just again, think about it with me, for a demon to affirm who Jesus is, is not exactly the kind of reference you want. It would be like, maybe this is too sort of emotive, but it, it would be a bit like if you were wanting to be a politician and you were sending it for your resume to whatever group you wanted to serve and in your resume it had at the bottom, as most resumes do, various references. And you had a reference from Adolf Hitler saying, this chap is a very good politician. It's not a good reference. You know, consider the source. You don't want a reference from a demon. So that's partly why. But the other why and I, uh, reason, and I think it's more important and probably more at the heart of what's been going on here... Because it says that verse thirty-four, he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Um, Is the demons are taking this truth about who Jesus is, and they're attempting to use it to control him, and that is what demons do. That's what what Satan, who's called the father of lies, does. You take the truth and you twist it, so it's a half truth. It's a weapon. Uh, we have access to various uh, ancient magical incantations and theories and things like that. And we know that the theory was that you could gain spiritual control over your adversary when you knew their identity and you spoke that truth to them. They're trying to control Jesus. We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. It's truth speaking, but it, it's, it's got a problem to it. And my friends, there is so much of that today. Taken out of context. So now it's not really true? Now I'm going to speak truth, so hold on to your horses. Let us take some examples. An easy one Atheists will sometimes say that Christians are irrational to believe that God is one in three persons. Well, it's fascinating. This is a line from G.K. Chesterton, actually. But the same people who believe in humanism, which tends to be what atheists end up as their philosophy, are quite happy, as it were, to worship billions of persons as God, but are not happy with the idea that God can be one in three persons. Well, of course he can. He's God. It's bigger than our brains. That's also thinking right, to realize that you don't understand. How could you? He's God. But let's get a little more pointed. Big issue today here with this kind of, the problem of speech is with gender. There is today huge Gender agenda. Now, as I speak about this, I want you to realize that I'm a pastor and I've had many conversations with many people about very personal matters and I fully understand that this whole area is deeply personal. I also understand it can lead to mental health challenges. We already mentioned our grace groups. I understand all that. Believe me, if you could hear just a little bit of the kind of conversations I've had down the years, you would know... Uh, that, I, that, that, that I understand. And so what I'm about to say, I don't want in any way to come across as harsh. We must speak the truth, but we must do so with love. That said, how in any, in any world, I was going to say, how, how on earth is it rational That in this country, you are not legally allowed to drink a beer in a pub until you hit 21, but you can opt for life-changing physical surgery when you're still a teenager. How is that rational? Like, let's have it the other way around. Let the 13-year-old get a beer in the pub, and let's delay the surgery until you're 21. What are we thinking? You know, I'm sure I have an email too, but you know. (laughs) It's a day for truth speaking. Should be every Sunday in one way or another, of course. And dare I say it? There's so much demonic misuse of truth there's deep roots to this read Francis Schaeffer go back and read those very old-fashioned how the, the videos on YouTube how then shall we live and you can watch him wearing his very strange clothes wandering around various parts of Europe but it's it's still worth seeing deep roots to our relativism today but then of course having talked about you know the world out there we have to think about it as a chur- as the church as Christian people too we You know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. We have to have judgment against the house of God. We need to think about ourselves too. And so there there is then leper speaking. So we have Jesus speaking, demon speaking, now leper speaking. And, of course, what's remarkable about this is that Jesus tells him to be quiet, but he isn't. So verse 45, uh, the leper went out and began to talk freely about it. But um, that could easily as well be translated, and scholars have wrestled with this down through the years, but it could easily be translated, began to preach. Uh, It's the word that's used elsewhere for preaching. So that's interesting. And to spread the news, or again, it could easily be translated, the word Now, uh, those words for preaching and the word can be translated this way too, so there's nothing wrong with your translation. But I I would opt for it to be like the more blunt thing, which is preaching the word. That's what the leper's doing. Because right after that, in chapter 2, verse 2, when it describes Jesus and he's again uh, preaching, it tells us uh, he's preaching, same word, the word to them. So the leper's preaching the word and then Jesus is preaching the word. But Jesus tells the leper not to. Why? Again, people have wrestled with this for many, many years. But I think the clue is right there in the text. Uh, in the verse before. Verse 44. So Jesus says, see that you say nothing to anyone. But it's not nothing to anyone in any context. He's saying, uh, see that you say nothing to anyone. But there is an instruction he has. Go. Go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. Jesus is referring to Leviticus chapter 14. And there's all sorts of complicated instructions of what kind of offering you have to do and how you have to do it, which we know from rabbinic literature that this meant he had to go to the temple, which is important, as I'll explain in just a moment. So, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof or literally for a witness. What Jesus is saying to the leper is... I want you, this is my command to you, leper, I want you to go through all the hassle, and it would have been a huge hassle, of traveling from the north in Galilee all the way down to Jerusalem, get an appointment at the temple and see the priest, this would have been a big deal. It's like going to the Supreme Court and having an interview, not quite so extreme because it was commanded to do in Leviticus 14, but it's the temple. It's the center of religious power and dominance. Got to go to the temple. Got to show yourself to the priest. Why? So that you can be a witness. A witness to what? A witness, of course, to who Jesus is. So he's not trying to silence the leper's witness he's trying to direct it in the right way and what does the leper do ignores the instructions and instead what does he do he goes on a Galilee celebrity tour roll up roll up look at the leper who was healed here I am see I'm all better now What a tour he must have had. How many people would have come to him to see the leper who was healed? Celebrity. What a danger for the contemporary church. How many people's lives in the last ten years or so have been wrecked through celebrity Christianity? Leper going on a little Galilee tour. Look at me, aren't I so wonderful? How clever I am. How amazing I am. I'll never forget going to one big conference once and noticing that the, 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 the platform preachers of that big conference had posters of their faces that were like the size of from top to bottom of the whole of this auditorium, like one after the other as you walked in. What is going on? I don't care who this guy is. I want to hear about Jesus. I don't mind him preaching either. But why is there this massive picture of the guy? Maybe he thinks he's handsome or something. I don't know. Celebrity. But that is not to say. That being well known. Is necessarily wrong. Of course not. In fact. Jesus we're told, it was well known. Verse 28, at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Of course, Jesus was becoming famous and he is famous. He's, you can hardly go anywhere on the face of the planet. Maybe there are a few little unreached islands somewhere where you, they haven't heard the name of Jesus, but he's famous. Moses, of course, is, is almost as famous, I would think, and he's referenced here too. Moses was and is famous, very well known. The Apostle Paul it was and is famous, and there have been other Christian leaders after, the, uh, after Bible times who have become famous, like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon and, and, and many more. No doubt there are famous Christian preachers still today. It's not wrong to be well known. The issue is Celebrity. What's the difference? Well, let me put it like this in a a somewhat blunt way but I hope we'll make the point. The difference between celebrity and fame is the difference between the Kardashians and Mahatma Gandhi. The Kardashians are well known but for what, I ask you? And Gandhi, of course he's a Hindu so I don't... Uh, was a Hindu, so I don't follow all his philosophy. There are things which I disagree with him about. But he was a great man and did important things. Of course he's famous. What we need is not less anyone knowing anyone. That's absurd and impossible. What we need is less celebrity and more people being well known for doing important and good things. We need less of the showy and superficial leper-like celebrity and more of the great and good Jesus-like fame. In fact, Jesus fame, perhaps, period, finito, end point, full stop So we have these three threads of truth speaking. and They show the priority and the problem of truth speaking. And as we think through how to apply it, I suppose we have to ask ourselves, is there a good model in this passage of what this response to this kind of message would be? And I think Mark has deliberately given us a model, and that is Simon's mother-in-law, who is also healed, but when she's healed, she doesn't go on a celebrity tour She gets up and serves. So if this morning you receive the healing power of Jesus to set you free through his truth, what he wants of you is to serve in uh, Kids Harbor or the Disabilities Ministries or, or something else. thinking, truth. I, I was amazed to come across a Harvard study that illustrated the challenge that many people face with this. Many people would rather die than think, and many people do. This this Harvard study put together in a room, a group of people, and you the know, typical way they do these studies, uh, asked them uh, to make a choice between uh, two options. And option one was to solve a complicated mathematical problem. Use their brain. And option two was to experience a brief but painful electric shock. And The vast majority of people, you guessed it, chose the electric shock. Which I suppose math means mathematics, mathematics teachers deserve our prayers. But if we don't grasp, if the church, we're looking on uh, Sunday evening at uh, First Timothy where Paul describes the church as the church of the truth. If the church doesn't grasp onto truth, all well, what's going to be left is demon speaking. So we have a responsibility, and for that we need God's help, which is Why the good news of the text is where it ends up, with Jesus back in the wilderness. He's in the wilderness so that we can thrive. He's in the wilderness so we can enter the promised land. He takes our sins that we might be forgiven, and by his Spirit we have power to serve him just like Simon's mother-in-law. Let's pray together. Our Lord God, we thank you that you have revealed the truth uh, to us. We pray you'd help us to be faithful, to believe it and preach it. Pray, Lord, if there's anything that I've said that isn't true, that you'd remove it from our minds and just uh, leave us with your truth. We pray, Lord, that uh, as a church we would uh, stand upon the truth of your word and to do so with love. We think, Lord, of uh, the loving compassion of Jesus in this passage, perhaps revealed most of all by his touch, that he reached out and touched the leper who perhaps had not been touched for many years. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that you would reach out and touch us by your Spirit this morning, Grant us healing and salvation that we might uh, then, uh, like Simon's mother-in-law, serve you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.